The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to our national conversation about conversations about race, the bi-weekly multiracial podcast where we discuss the ways we can't talk, don't talk, would rather not talk, but intermittently, fitfully, embarrassingly do talk about culture, identity, politics, power, and privilege in our pre-post-yet-still-very-racial America. You could say all that, or just call this show about race. I'm Baratunde Thurston, and joining me in the Panoply Studios in New York City are my co-discussants, Tanner Colby. What's up? Not much. How are you, sir? So good. So good. And Raquel Sabeda. What up? Missed you. Missed you, too. <laughs> and I'm going to say Cepeda instead of Cepeda next time. <laughs> <laughs> or you could say Cepeda. Cepeda. Yes, with the implied TH uh, before that A. Uh, believe it or not, it is the voice of me, Baratunde Thurston, in the same physical location as our producer, AC, and co-discussants, Tanner and Raquel. It's a rare and happy reunion. Raquel, what has been going on in this uh, long time apart? Well, I caught up uh, with all my Netflix documentaries. I watched Making a Murder Like Everybody Else in America ah, during right. the break. Okay. Celebrated my daughter's 19th birthday. Nice. Yes, she's doing very well. And researching, writing for my book and brought my film, Some Girls, uh, my documentary, to a very solid rough cut. So I'm really excited about that. So just moving, trucking and really, you know, reading the tweets and missing our listeners and, you know, the conversation that we've the gaping hole that has been left by our absence. I'm really feeling it when I read our Twitter feed and our Facebook. Well, luckily, there hasn't been much racism since we've been yeah, gone. Nothing. So. Yeah, nothing. Not hardly dumb. any. It's a, it's real, I don't know if it's a gaping hole. That makes it sound like there's a lot of racial stuff going down <laughs> that we haven't been able to talk about. <laughs> Tanner, what's been going on with you since uh, the exit? So I had, and listeners who've been upset about the hiatus, but this is one of the reasons for the hiatus, I had a son. Yay! Kid number two. Kid number two. His name is Theo. He was born January 2nd. Like from the Cosby show? Not like from the Cosby show. And did you actually have him, or was it your wife? No, my wife (laughs) had him. But you were very supportive. Technically. Thank you for that clarification. I was present. I was there. Wow, that must have been tough. (laughs) I like help put some blankets and and stuff like that and pillows. But my yeah, my wife did uh, overwhelming majority. Of Isn't work. it always that way? Yeah. Congratulations to the misses. Yes. <laughs> and to so, you as well. So I now have a second son. There nice. we are. Nice. Do you like him? Yeah, he's great. All right, you don't have to like <laughs> so baby, far, so good. No, some, no, 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 no. Some of them no. are some of them are assholes. But he's actually great. He's very good natured. He sleeps like five, six hour stretches at night. Oh, oh my god, you're so lucky. My son does still doesn't do that. Yeah, I have uh, been. Obviously absent from the show for some time, even before the official hiatus, because of my new expansive duties at The Daily Show. So mostly I've been uh, holed up in the TV studio helping make the new show and doing all kinds of internet-related things, which is my main charge over there. It's been fun. It's been exhausting as uh, all get out. And uh, other than that, I imported uh, my girlfriend from Los Angeles. She's moved to New York City. So I'm very excited about that. And I started, oh, Raquel, you're going to be so excited. You're going to be so (laughs) excited with the news I'm about to share with our public. I started going to boxing classes. No wonder you're, like, busting out Ah, of the same thing. Thank you. Thank you very much. If y'all could just see Baritone Day now, maybe we'll take a photo. But I accept the that size of a shape. Looking cool. Yeah. No, um, it's one of the greatest workouts. Do you see why I love it? Yes. And you're just, like, punching things. It's just so... uh, Great, isn't it? Ah, it's all just, oh, just punching. I'm just pro punching, and uh, there's a lot in this country that get us 
to want to punch things. So why All right, clearly I'm going to have to start the boxing lessons now so <laughs> I don't little, get left yeah. behind. <laughs> we'll have a quorum of boxers on the... Well, I'm just going to be a bloody pulp on the floor when we... Well, when no, we I, don't, I don't punch other people yet. Right now it's just, just bags and... Oh, punch okay. it. Wait you punch other people. It's euphoric. <laughs> <laughs> it is euphoric. Oh, Woo! my goodness. Okay. Woo! Just, okay. Woke up, just woke me up. So we're going to do kind of a lightning round to catch up on some things we might have missed, just check in with each other and see what's been going on. In America, with regards uh, to race, so it's a bit out of the ordinary for us, but this is us touching base. Uh, let's just start with the elephant in the room: the Democratic yeah. campaign for president of the United States. Are you talking about elephant? I thought you were talking about Trump. <laughs> well, he would be the elephant in the room, and the donkey in the room is getting a little bigger yeah. <laughs> by the moment because there's a real contest where nobody expected it. So, what have you guys been thinking about presidential politics? And race. Any uh, opening salvos or thoughts? I actually think that for people of color this year, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Say it again? It's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't meaning think... Meaning no difference. Meaning no difference. I mean, A, if either of them get the White House, the Republican Congress won't let them do anything. So we're really just talking about good intentions here. But so far as good intentions are concerned, I think everyone's dredging up Hillary's past from the 90s and all the horrible things that happened under Clinton. And I That think, we're still paying for. Yes, that we're still paying for in a large way. <laughs> yeah. But... That means you have specific leverage to hold her feet against the fire to do something, and mm. she's not stupid, and culture has changed, and the conversation has changed substantially enough that I think rather than saying, oh, those things happened in the 90s, she's disqualified now. No, those things happened in the 90s, so we have leverage over her now to say, fix the shit. And when, as far as Bernie is concerned, I think we've seen a pretty steep learning curve for him already that he's already adapted to. He says a lot of stupid stuff that a 70-year-old white guy would say, but I think you also have a little bit of leverage on him in that he knows he he knows he needs the black vote right. from Hillary in a substantial way. So as far as getting elected and who's going to earn your vote, again, I think people of color can't lose this year. But once the election is over, people of color will continue to lose because the Republican Congress won't let anything happen. Raquel. Well, I agree with you on a lot of your uh, points, but I feel like, you know, while I'm not feeling the burn, I'm also a little bit turned off by Hillary. I watched the last Democratic debate where the they PBS actually spent a whole... With, with the worst lighting ever. Worst like lighting ever, but the most time ever spent on immigration. Mm. And I feel like, first of all, I don't know if, it, if it's just me or was she like wrapping herself up in a Barack Obama blanket where it's like you either agree with every single thing he says and by proxy what she says or you're against her, which is kind of like a bad kind of like yeah. sign of what's going to happen if she makes it to the White House. While I am leaning toward Bernie because I don't think everything he says is stupid. I think he's actually a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. I will support her if she if she wins the primaries. But I do think that the best thing for us would be to just start a whole new political party after this election because it's like you know how some people have blurry racial vision? It's like blurry everything mm. political vision. And yeah, I do believe that people of color will still be fucked up, though I don't know. I think it may be worse under I'm not sure if it's gonna be worse under Hillary. Than under. Because we're still under Sanders. I mean, I'm not even talking. I mean, we know yeah. what's going to happen. That slavery will be re-institutionalized like, <laughs> if a Republican gets into office. Oh, and goodness. with that said, have any of you seen that Funny or Die uh, movie with Johnny Depp as, uh, I, I Donny as Donald I have, Trump? I have flagged it. Oh. Uh, I am going to slightly, like the guy who wrote it, Joe Randazzo, was editor at The Onion uh, when I was there. I've heard it so funny. So check out funnyordie.com. They made a 50-minute interpretive film called The Art of the Deal with Johnny Depp starring as uh, Donald J. Trump. And you saw it. My boo is so good as Donald <laughs> Trump. Oh, I mean, Johnny? he yeah. is so freaking 
good. Yes, you guys should definitely watch it. AC, drop a little clip in there. Let me tell you who I've talked to so far this week. Okay. Leah Yacoca, listen, we are both rich white men. Why don't we buy some condoms in Fort Lauderdale? Tell Mayor Ed Cock that he's a scum sucking fuck pig, and I'm gonna shove this building so far up his fucking Jewish ass, he will be shitting eye beams! All right, thanks, Dad. Love you. I want my daughter to grow up and be someone that I would totally have sex with. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can build you a much nicer one. It's called real estate, not fake estate. You're supposed to avoid the noid, eh, hole? My burnery thoughts, my Hilliburn thoughts. Um, <laughs> Hilliburn. It's just, it's, we're, we're at this point. We had Iowa down, New Hampshire at the time of this recording, and it's about to get super black. And a little brown, too, Raquel, because uh, we got Nevada and South Carolina coming up. And yeah. I feel like a little bashful, just like as a voter of color, like, oh, you're going to talk about me now. Like, it's not about ethanol or it's, it's about prison reform. And it's about the word systemic racism has never been used in a election season combined, I don't think, as much as it has in this season alone. And the shift in conversation is palpable, even from 08 and 2012 to where we are now. So that's exciting to have the heads of the Democratic Party and the quote-unquote establishment seeking to become the nominee begging and pandering so hard, like maybe some of those panders will actually get delivered on. And the more promises you can document, the more you can hold people uh, accountable later on. So I got way more thoughts on this stuff than I can share at just this moment. But there is something about, for me, having been such an anti-Hillary pro-Obama person in 07, 08, I find myself way more sympathetic to Hillary Clinton this time around than I was eight years ago and a little more skeptical of a Bernie Sanders. And it's not because he's old or because he has the word socialist in his title. Or because he's a white man. It's not, it's, it really isn't because he's white, but it, it's, there's a, the bar's been raised. Like I think we've all experienced what a very well-talking, charismatic, well-intended singular figure can actually get done. You like, really avoided the word articulate there. You I did. Went you know all what? the way around it. I did. But, I was, but I was articulate and not using the word articulate, which is like a meta way of saying articulate. But you know, right. when he talks about Latinos, mm-hmm. I feel like his delivery is a little bit more, it's a little smoother. I feel like he spends more time thinking about not only black Americans, but mm-hmm. people, Latinos, people of color, where with Hillary, it's very like, you know, stage and like this whole stunt that she pulled with Hillary's like your abuelita. Yeah, that was. Like that shit really <laughs> fucking that. turned me that off. That was stupid. That yeah, was, that was real stupid. I think, stupid. look, they're both struggling. They're, they're, right. when, when they get a legitimate question. There was a question in the PBS debate in uh, Milwaukee about race relations having gotten worse under Obama. And this voter expected them to get better. And she asked, what will you do to improve race relations? They actually didn't answer the question. They both talked about their programs for black and brown people and housing and education. That has very little to do with relations between the races. They're not used to being asked that question. Bernie Sanders still doesn't know the difference between jail and prison. Or he's still right. choosing between black and African-American. Like, there's new language that the leaders of the, of the Democratic, like, vote-seeking crew is having to express. And it's just kind of exciting to see them stumble through it because there's no people of color in the mix. It's exciting, It's yeah, just, it's it two old, both, they're very old people. Like, they're, like, six years apart. Like, Bernie looks older because of the white hair. But he's, I think he's 74 and she's, isn't she 69? We should fact check that. They're in the I same, they're in the I same generation. 67. Ah, that's two years. That's huge. So my meandering point being promised land in terms of promise making is going to be happening a lot now. I'm finding myself more open to Hillary this time around, however, because 
she actually knows how the apparatus of government doesn't come naturally. And like having mm-hmm. been so door knocking for Obama and then seeing like the struggles of the first term to just appoint people and find these levers and get smacked upside the head by the newly GOP controlled Congress. I'm like, hmm, somebody who actually has some experience on the ship is more interesting to me. Like the experience argument has more weight with me eight years into Obama land than it did when we were just happy to be out of Bushland. It's just that it, it just feels scary that nobody can have a, a dissenting view on anything with Hillary. I mean, that's just, I mean, I see a lot of red flags, even though I agree with you mm-hmm. on that. And I sway, it depends on like the morning, on who like I'm leaning toward, even though I both, I don't think either of them really have our best interests or even give a shit. Yeah, no, there's, there's no endorsements yeah. happening in this no, episode. There's no it's, endorsements, it's no. An, it's an It's going to be time. Bloomberg anyway, next topic. <laughs> oh, wow, wait a minute, Tanner, is he going to, is he going to run? If it's, if it's Bernie Trump, he will. That's going to be. If it's Hillary, no. Such a fascinating three old New York men running right. to lead America. Oscars, so white. Oscars, again, so damn white. Again. Any surprises, Raquel? I was surprised. As a, as a filmmaker, yourself? I was surprised, not of all like the nominations. I was surprised of like I was surprised that Idris Elba didn't get nominated, actually. Mm. I was surprised at how crazy and insane some of the comments were from white people. Like, for example, when Michael Caine, Sir Michael Caine, said that, you know, black Americans, people of color, African Americans, I don't even know what he said. I don't know how he Negroes maybe, I don't know what he said. Um, have to be more patient. Charlotte Rampling talked about reverse uh, discrimination, reverse racism. Mm. Most recently, Meryl Streep said that, you know, we're all African when she talked about diversity. That shit really, like, I don't know. I kind of expect it, but I'm kind of surprised at just how honest yeah. some of the things that people that have things to lose are saying. What's, what about you, dude? Well, here's the thing. On Idris, I think, A, maybe to the extent that it was race, it was race. I think the Netflix thing hurt Idris because the Academy is still about we're movie stars and Netflix is orange is the new black. I don't, I think... They just didn't want to go there. Mm. Really? That, but that's just Idris specifically. As far as the larger global issue of Oscars so white, yes, obviously I think we all agree on the systemic problems of the Oscars being a symptom of there aren't people of color being given the chance to tell their stories and those stories get out so that they can then get awards. But as far as Michael Caine, Charlotte Ramping, and Meryl Streep, I'm sorry. It is not news to stick a microphone in an 80-year-old white person's face who's not even from this country and expect an intelligent comment about race in America and then get your panties in a bunch when an intelligent comment doesn't come out. Okay, Meryl Streep is not yeah, that who old. Are you, to? are you being an ageist? Rampling, Kane, okay. and yeah, Meryl isn't as old as the other two, but she's an, she's she's an older white person. But even still, <laughs> even still, even Listen. still, it is not news to stick a microphone in an old white person's face and hear something stupid come out. With regard to race, that's just. Oh my God, that's just. <laughs> talk well, about the voting process. Talk about the balloting okay. process. Talking about mm-hmm. you know what becomes out and like everything else as far as like the structural problems of who gets voted and the legacy of old academy members versus getting new people in. Talk about the structure of why the votes aren't happening. But sticking a, a microphone in Charlotte Rampling's face is not news. You not know what just, I'm surprised about? I'm surprised that concussion that Will Smith was nominated because he played the most unthreatening like <laughs> and he put like, on that accent i mean he talked about he had an oscar yeah, but accent. he was he was also very understated as dr bennett omolu um who um discovered i guess cte mm-hmm. the pathologist from nigeria who was talking about you know as soon as i heard he said you know i had to fake it until i made it here basically in my words and when they asked her well what did you pretend to be until you made it he says the perfect man an old white man the Academy should love that, you right. know? The, People was, of color it, it, just completely taking the colonial... 
he probably still had too much power in in that character. There was a, a Daily Show segment. Now I just kind of rep my day job now. But Roy Wood Jr. sat with Trevor and had this talk about Oscar so white and said, "You just got to add that slavery sauce." And <laughs> once you like the, the Oscar nominated things are like black struggle, <laughs> black pain, like chain gangs, like a lot of that Negro spiritual stuff. And there was none of that. Like this was an immigrant black person right. who like challenged the the whitest, most successful thing in terms of the NFL. Maybe it was just too threatening. Here's the two things like that didn't make any stuff. sense. One, Creed and Beast of No Nation didn't get nominated mm-hmm. for Best Picture. Word. But they only nominated eight out of ten. You had two free slots. You could have just given to them and cost you nothing. Yeah. The other thing is everyone knows. Everyone on this planet who is human and has a brain knows that Leonardo DiCaprio is going to win Best Actor this mm-hmm. year. So you could just Leo and four black guys, right? <laughs> he yeah. deserves it because it doesn't matter. matter. Lifetime, right? Of work. It, yeah. You could nominate yeah, I think Idris. The bear should get he ugly himself. Honestly. He ugly himself. Could, you could have nominated. You could put all the black nominees and, and you want. It doesn't matter because Leo's going to win. Yeah. So why not just give the? Why does Brian <laughs> like Cranston in a whole bunch of extra black people under the the known thing? Right, yeah. makes no sense. I would I would just say in response to you, Tanner. Uh, not all people of color wear panties, uh, so even though there may be some bunching going on, uh, that <laughs> is more not of a metaphorical clothing that is bunching up. Uh, is more. That's just a size issue. That's just a size issue. Right. I also I think the Oscar, the Academy's <laughs> response was like we're going to double the representation of people of color minorities by 2020, which is they're finding out damn near impossible. Like they're such a great case study of the intransigence, the built up plaque. Of racism, and you don't just go into one dentist visit and have dope teeth after you've been screwing over your mouth for your whole lifetime. And now they're finding like, oh, we have to change the rules on who can vote. It's like 93% white. It looks like it's the it's worse than Congress. You know, like it is such a little secret society. And you have a backlash from the Academy of older, whiter people being like, oh, that's ageism. Our voices still count, even though they haven't worked since like Gone with the Wind. So we have this clash of like Twitter culture where the world is seeing every infraction. Like they're seeing kids taking over stuff in the streets. They're seeing cops shoot people down. And you have like old Hollywood, which doesn't even know what YouTube is, being like, my (laughs) vote still counts and I'm not a racist and I only vote on quality. And it's an argument that we've had and moved through in so many other sectors. But Hollywood, oddly enough, isn't there. TV is there. Film isn't there. SAG Awards are there. Writers Guild, everybody except the Oscar Voting Academy, which is stuck back in the 1950s. Are you surprised that more people, okay, so we have Spike Lee was like, I'm not going, but he didn't call for a boycott. Him and his wife aren't going. But then Jada Pinkett Smith definitely was like, I'm boycotting this and I urge other actors of color to do the same. And then Will Smith came out, which is actually not the first time he's boycotted. He boy- I remember when he boycotted the Grammys in 1989 mm. because the best rap, the first inaugural best rap award wasn't wasn't televised. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not really surprised about that, about him boycotting. But are you surprised that more people are not like saying, fuck that. I'm not sitting next to this guy who's like doesn't deserve to be nominated. I'm not surprised. First of all, Chris Rock is going to be hosting, and I think a lot of people will see that show. Yes. And you're kind of hurting yourself to not be in the room when he will clearly address this topic yes. uh, really well. My point on this, why would you boycott a place where white people don't want you anyway? That was like in the, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. The True. Cuban government did not issue a formal invitation to Nelson Mandela when he came to speak because Nelson Mandela was friends with Castro and the whole Cuban thing. And so black people announced a boycott of Miami Beach. They don't want black people on Miami <laughs> Beach anyway. So the, the reverse is, no, bring all, come to Miami Beach and say, we belong here. Yeah. I don't get boycotting at all. I think you go, you're Chris Rock, you get on stage, and you make your statement just like Eddie Murphy did back in 1988 or 87 whenever whenever he did it. True. He, yeah. I'm True not, that. I mean, 
I think I agree with you. I agree with you, too. Okay, wow, look at that. Uh, Let's move on to the next thing, third and final and most lightning of our topics. Uh, Super Bowl 50 recently happened. Beyonce dropped a music video called Formation, then dropped her heels on the actual tarmac uh, in an NFL stadium, and a lot of people have thoughts. What are yours? I thought it was much better than Accidental Racist. Oh... Drop the mic. There you go. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I I didn't watch Super Bowl. I hate football. I like the song. I like the video. Yeah. Not thinking much about it anymore. I'm a uh, I'm a supporter and a member of the Bayhive. I think it's great when artists use their platforms to say things that matter. And yeah. there was also this notion that, like, oh, is this a turning point for Beyonce? Is she gonna like lose some of her white support? No. I still think most people don't listen to lyrics. You see people on YouTube and Vine trying to imitate the dances, not even realizing they're making like black power gestures and X formations in honor of Malcolm X and saying lyrics that are calling out you know, the city of New Orleans and the federal government for not responding to black pain. So I like the subliminality of Beyonce's success. And I say, keep shaking it and keep making it. And we will continue to follow. I love Beyonce, but I adore her sister. Mm. Solange is yeah. like, I, lo- I wish she was more active in producing more records and dropping more shit and like being, you know, real like she always is yeah the only reason why i even stopped thinking about formation was because i was completely wrapped up in the uh, kai Gurley case and the fact that peter liam was found guilty of manslaughter and official misconduct this and is a I new was york city police police officer. officer who yeah. shot and killed a kai Gurley in a housing project in a stairwell uh some in, in yes. 2015 at the big at the pink guilty. houses in uh in brooklyn yeah i'm happy but shocked that he was found uh, guilty yeah it's been uh, 11 years since the last, you know, since uh, a police officer was held responsible for killing a person of color. Last time it was an African, West African immigrant. This time it was, um, you know, a Kai Gurley. So right on. I'm happy about that. Every 11 years. It's like every Haley's 11 comet of justice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for getting that, squeezing that in under the lightning wire, Raquel. And because our time is short, I just want to say some things on behalf of all of us to our audience. Look, we missed y'all. We know you've missed us and we are Not going away, uh, but we are still taking more time to make the next version and next season of this show better. So we wanted to come back, basically have a reunion show to say what's up, to acknowledge all of your tweets and your emails and your shouts on the street. But also to say, like, this isn't exactly a return to our biweekly schedule yet. This is a check-in and a heads-up that we want you to weigh in and help us uh, recraft this show to have it even be more awesome and successful and sustainable than ever. So here's what we need you to do. Get your phone out or your tablet or your computer or your MindNet device and go to showaboutrace.com slash survey. That is showaboutrace.com slash survey. Answer two questions for us and help us keep the conversation going. Thank you. Thank you all for your emails, your tweets, your Facebook mentions, and your love. That's it. For this short but essential and much-needed, much-missed check-in with your co-discussants, our producer is A.C. Valdez. Our research assistant and tech maven is Cody Carvel. Thank you to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. You can see its entire roster of captivating, compulsively listenable podcasts at iTunes.com Panoply. You can find links to the things we've discussed today on our website, showaboutrace.com, and follow along and join, and in this case, drive the conversation on our Facebook page, on Twitter, Show About Race. As always, email us, showaboutrace at gmail.com, and we will be back in touch. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining our national conversation about conversations about race. On behalf of Raquel and Tanner, I'm Baratunde Thurston. We said we wouldn't stop until racism was over. Technically, we didn't stop. We took a little pause. (laughs) We know racism's still out there. 
We so very much appreciate your love, passion, and patience in this trying, very racial time. <laughs>